I know you feel better as you've been worshiping the Lord and, and praising him with us. There's a reason for that, by the way, a Bible reason for that. Uh, Psalm 22 says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It doesn't say he inhabits the griping or complaining. You know, I know that's real sometimes, but the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Or like some of the more modern translations will translate that Hebrew word, the Lord is enthroned upon the praises of his people. See, when you make the decision to join us, even from right where you're at right now, we're still a family. When you choose to join us in the presence of Jesus and praise him, God just, it's like you, you invite him, you build a throne for him to come and inhabit, to be enthroned upon our praises today. So I'm expecting good things to begin to happen in your life. Some of you are about to experience some blessings like you never have before. And that's not just some positive spin pastor's trying to make right now. That is a statement of prophetic faith over your life right now. In fact, God, give us an ear to hear what you want to say to us right now in the name of Jesus. I've, I've called today's message, it'll probably be a two-parter, uh, the next one will be part two, but I've called it The Hidden Blessing. I originally called it, and maybe should have stuck with it, as they say in Hollywood, the working title was The Hidden Blessing of Not Enough or the hidden blessing of insufficiency. That sounded to me a little bit like, like an oxymoron. You know what, the blessing of insufficiency? How, how can that, the blessing of not having enough? How can that be a blessing? It's like, uh, like, like I said, an oxymoron, jumbo shrimp, or seriously funny, uh, or that's an original copy, uh, plastic glasses, clearly confused, you know, things like that. However, I would still ask you a serious question. Is it possible that there is a blessing, maybe even a miracle, hidden when we don't have enough? Uh, let's look at this text that Paul talks about when Paul's talking about his own life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read through, uh, see, uh, three verses, 8, 9, and 10. Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh. Paul has just finished talking about some of his experiences that were fantastic, that were wonderful, even perhaps being caught up into the third heaven. And then he notes this. He says, to kind of keep me from getting too puffed up, <laughs> too arrogant about all of this, the Lord sent me a thorn in the flesh, a, a messenger from Satan, and then the Greek here is kind of powerful, to buffet me. Uh, and to this day, scholars argue about what that thorn in the flesh was. It may have been a physical problem. Some think it had to do with Paul's eyesight. Um, based on a few other comments Paul makes, like at the end of the book of Romans and so forth. Others think it was literally a, a demon that just was bothering him. Uh, none of us think that Christians can be possessed, but you can be bothered by a demon. Uh, I tend to think it was probably that, that physical ailment, or maybe, who knows, maybe it was a emotional thing, like a lot of us face, you know, ongoing battles with depression or being discouraged or maybe just being stressed out. Anyway, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. 
I don't know about you, but that encourages me a little bit to know that the great Apostle Paul did not always have his prayer request answered the way he wanted it to be answered either. He says, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. In fact, the old King James would say, my grace is sufficient. My prayer, in fact, Paul goes on to say that God told him, my my power, rather, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ could work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, in hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, don't let that pass you by. Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm telling you, there is a hidden blessing, a hidden miracle in not having enough, feeling like you're not enough, and maybe actually not being enough. There is a hidden blessing there. I mean, even in in our world, uh, not having enough often qualifies us for assistance. Uh, When I grew up, my family was kind of what I'd like to describe as mm, lower middle class moving into middle class. They used to use the phrases like blue collar and white collar. White collar were men and mostly men back then, people that had office kind of jobs. Back then they wore ties, white collar, or blue collar. Those kind of people that maybe worked as mechanics or gardeners or whatever. Well, I came from a hardworking blue collar family that made too much money to receive scholarship help uh, for college, because back in those days, the government would help, they still do, help uh, people that didn't have enough to get into college for a scholarship. And of course, wealthy people, they didn't care. They had enough. We always seemed to be caught in the middle. We made too much to be poor and not enough to be able to afford anything. So listen, sometimes not having enough In this case, having a little bit less would have qualified us uh, for some help. And God, as Paul points out here in this passage, often, often shows himself strong on behalf of people who will express faith when they don't have enough. I'm thinking of that story in Chronicles, a great story that preachers love to preach on when King Jehoshaphat was facing that, 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 that triple threat. Remember that? The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Mayunites. Of course, every preacher in the world always jokes about the Gazundites and all the other ites he was facing. He was facing a triple threat, and it looked like he, he and his people were toast. They were history. In fact, they didn't know what to do. In fact, let me read to you this passage from Chronicles where uh, Jehoshaphat prays, leads his nation in prayer. He says, God, we are powerless. We don't have enough. Uh, We are powerless against this great army that is about to attack us. Not only are we powerless, he says next, we don't know what to do. So you're both powerless and I don't, know if, I don't know if the right word is ignorant, but you don't even have enough information to know what in the heck to do. But, oh, this is where the prayer takes a great turn, and maybe it can turn, turn our not enough into a miracle, but we are looking to you for help. 
And of course, a couple verses later through the prophet Jehaziel, the word of the Lord comes to Jehoshaphat and the people of God. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm praying someone's hearing that today. Look at me. There is a hidden blessing in your life right now. Even if you're feeling lack, even if you're feeling like you don't have enough, you are not enough. You feel like I've tried everything and it's failed. Elijah showed up in the Old Testament to the widow who only had enough, uh, enough meal left to make one more supper for her son. And then that was it. They're going to die in a famine. You remember that story? Elijah asked to make me a meal first. Uh, sometimes God comes in when we don't have enough and ask us, this is good, ask us to give what little we have left. Is that not irritating? You know, you feel like you've been burned in love so often that you don't think you have any love left. And God says, well, that little teeny bit you do have Use it to bless this person. But God, I'm just trying to survive. God, I don't have enough energy to even get out of bed right now. Well, what little energy you do have, give it to me. We're like, God, you, you don't understand. James tells us that if any of us lack, in this case, wisdom, then let us ask of God. Jesus when they didn't have enough, fed 5,000 men plus women and children, you remember that story, with only five loaves and two fish. There is a hidden blessing in insufficiency. There is a hidden miracle in not having enough. And you never know what God is setting up for you when you were running low on, on supplies. Someone I'm talking to right now, man, you are so low on the very thing you need, and God has put you into this setting with me right now, so together we can look at what is God going to do for you today. There is a hidden blessing, a hidden miracle in that lack of yours. In fact, if I, you like writing down points, I, for my notes, I put down my first point is this. We need to learn to turn our limitations into invitations. Let me say that again. Let's turn our limitations into invitations. Rather than griping and whining about what we don't have, let's use this to uh, that our lack might become a holy invitation for his assistance. And in fact, uh, I haven't taught in this for, for quite a while at our congregation, but the word charismatic is used oftentimes. Are you a charismatic church? We don't hear that much anymore. But that whole word charismatic, which tends to refer to churches that, that are a little uh, on the surface, a little more expressive in their worship, a little bit more lively, kind of like Pentecostal, but typically viewed as not being as out there as some Pentecostals uh, might have the at least the image of being, whether, whether they are or not. That word charismatic actually comes from the Greek word charismata, which is the word for spiritual gifts. Because charismatics would also say, we believe in all the spiritual gifts for today, including speaking in tongues, including prophecy, including miracles. We believe they're also available and can be used by the church today to build up one another and to go out into the world to be a bold witness for Jesus. I've always liked 
like the definition when, when I teach on spiritual gifts. I say God gives these gifts to us. They're like tools. And they're tools that come along to help us when we're trying to minister. We may be trying to build up the body of Christ, which is the primary purpose for the spiritual gifts, is to build up the body of Christ. We may be trying with our tools to build someone, but we don't have enough. In fact, all the spiritual gifts can be classified into three general categories, in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our doing. And sometimes we don't know what to think, we don't know what to speak, and we don't know what to do. And a spiritual gift is God coming in when we don't have enough, there's an insufficiency, and he gives us a little supernatural, perhaps, or a little divine, a little bit of a miraculous uh, touch, that we might go beyond our natural thinking, beyond our natural speaking, and beyond our natural doing, and actually extend to someone else uh, the grace and blessing of Jesus. That's why I always like, rather than uh, the, the word charismata, I'll sometimes use the word gracelet, because charisma is the, one of the words for grace. It's a grace and it's a gift. Gracelet, not a bracelet, but a takeoff on that word bracelet and a gracelet because it's a little, a spiritual gift is a little touch of God's grace that helps us when we're really out there trying to do something for him and we find ourselves at the end of the end of our rope and we don't know what to do. God will bless us with, with these kinds of, of, of gifts. Paul talks about this kind of lack being a source of of a blessing, being a source of miracles. Again, I want you to get this, because a lot of us right now, we are going through some very, very difficult times. I'm trying to flip the script for you right now. I'm trying to say maybe this lack, maybe this not having enough is actually something that can be good. Well, let me just read this text. Maybe Paul can speak to you right now. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. So Paul wants them to be aware of some of the stuff they've been through themselves, as, as we would call them today, missionaries. We were crushed. Think about this now. We sometimes read the Bible and it's just words. Think about what Paul, Paul had to live this. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But, oh, here's where you can find that hidden blessing, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. It's kind of like we begin to figure out that even if, even if this thing does kill us, God is able to raise the dead. And he goes on to say, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. So right now, if you're going through a situation in your own life that is crushing, you feel overwhelmed, maybe you can despair of, of life itself. Or maybe it's something like, I don't think I can ever be happy or fulfilled again. Listen, this can destroy you or with the right perspective, like Paul did here, if you can use this as a, uh, a stepping stone to start to rely upon him like never before, you might just discover that 
God's going to do it. Let, come on, let our limitations become an invitation for God to come and, and, and invade our lives. In fact, my, my second point has to do with God too. I say, let God, let God write himself into the script. Now, now listen to this. As a pastor over the years, I've noticed that quite frequently, God will write himself into the script of our lives, even when he's not invited. Uh, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm just sharing observations, which I think have a biblical background to them. That car crash you got into that maybe puts you in the hospital. Yeah, I'm not saying that's good. I'm not even going to say that God caused it. But I will boldly say this. God can use it to get your attention. God can use it to slow you down because you were so big, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss hotsy totsy thinking you were really getting ahead in life and doing everything, and God loved you too much than to just leave you alone to your own designs that, man, he at least used this crash. He used this medical problem. I even think, I know this is going to sound funny to some of you because I think God, in fact, the Bible says God hates divorce, but I've even seen in people's lives where God will even use a painful divorce to finally wake someone up and think, man, <laughs> I, I better start looking to him. You know, God will not exclude himself from the script of your life. Once you have given your life to Jesus, not only are you committed to him, he's committed to you. <laughs> and, and God, quite frankly, is better at commitment than, than, than we are. That's why sometimes God will put a Red Sea and an Egyptian army surrounding his people because he wants to make sure they're going to keep relying not on their numbers, not on their great leader Moses, but they're going to keep relying on him. See, we were not designed uh, to be self-sufficient. We were designed to be God-dependent. Let me say that again because that sounds so non-American, and I'm a proud American, uh, but let me, let me say it again. We were not designed to be self-sufficient. We were designed to be God-dependent, and if, we're, if we get overly self-sufficient, Sometimes things can start to fade. You know, sometimes you think, man, if I just could get that house, you know, then, then I'd be happy. If I, if I could get that man, if I could get that woman into my life, woo, if I could finish this degree, get into this university and, and get it all, oh, if I could get that job, if, if, if God would enable me to somehow gather enough funds and help to launch this kind of business and to launch this company, uh, you know, oh man, then sometimes God will write himself into the, into the script of that story because he loves us too much than to abandon us. And sometimes God loves us too much than to simply abandon us in our success. Because no matter what's going on, even our successes are only fulfilling and satisfying for a season. Paul said in Ephesians, he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When we think we don't have enough, God will write himself into our script. I will never forget when, as a young man, I had launched this church called Faith Community Church, the church you're part of to this day. 
And when the church began, I was 27, and the church did very well in the first few years. In fact, it, 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 it's done well for, for decades. But at one point, probably the guy, one of the team, I had a team of about three or four different people, really more than that, but three or four key people that helped me launch uh, what God wanted to do in this new work called Faith. One of them at one point, I didn't got upset and left and actually set me down as a young preacher. And he was an older guy and just pretty much read me the riot act. He said, well, I'm taking off. And quite frankly, this church is going to fall apart now. And he even started to list off specific family names, people that were going to leave the church. And he says, oh, you might be left with this family, with that family. And, you know, bam, it was. And this was the guy I probably leaned on the most. Now, at the time, I was absolutely devastated. I thought about quitting. I thought about throwing in the towel. I thought, man, I'm not even sure I can, you know, get this thing done without without this this teammate I have right now. <laughs> it, it'd be like uh, during the heyday of the Lakers in the early 2000s, you know, Kobe and Shaq are gone. You're like, oh, man. And yet, when I look back at it, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. You want to know why? Because it made me, as a young man in my 20s, grow up and finally say, hey, 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 wait a minute. Who am I dependent upon here to build this thing? Is, is this the Lord's house or is it my house or is it, is it our team's house? And, and it really, in fact, at that point, is kind of when the church began to really take off. We were growing before that, but we really began to take off. Sometimes all I'm trying to tell you is this. Sometimes when we lose the things we think are the most important, the most valuable, the most needed, um, and that can cause us to rely upon the Lord like never before, to be strong in Him and in His mighty power. Now, I would suggest, of course, as I'm talking about this, about God writing Himself into the script, that rather than having to wait to get into a car crash or maybe have some medical problems, perhaps even up in the hospital or a bankruptcy, or a divorce, or whatever. God works through all of that. I'm thankful for some of those things we go through, because God will work it together for our good. But why don't you, before that ever has to happen, make space for God? Let me say that again. Before your life gets interrupted by emergencies and crises that God will use for your benefit, why not, before that has to happen, just simply make space for God? That's why I think, like, what you're doing right now, joining us online is more powerful than you think it is. Uh, getting uh, to our campus, if you if you live close enough, on a weekly basis. See, what, whatever you're doing with your time and your talent and your treasure, just make an extra effort to always allow some space uh, for, 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 for God. I even do that when I preach. Uh, I always prepare. You know, people sometimes particularly the charismatic Pentecostals, you say, oh man, you don't prepare, you just show up and trust the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever, but that that's not my lane. That's not ever what I believed. I believe God works in our preparation. However, in a lot of churches, once a preacher prepares his message, that's exactly what that preacher is going to preach. Has God worked in that preparation? You bet. But I've always thought it's best to be well prepared, but then when you show up, 
Just be open to what God might want to do. Uh, what kind of adjustments? Leave some space. Leave some space for God to move in my message. I always find it interesting that over the years when I've done multiple services preaching the same message, some services, while I think generally get across the same basic content, one service, one gathering can be really different than another gathering, partly because I'm trying to allow space space for God to move at that moment, and there may be needs and there may be issues and drama that God knows about that he wants to uh, pull in my, you know, put into my brain, <laughs> this pea-sized brain of mine, and, and I need to be prepared. Yeah, I want to be prepared, but I also want to be fluid in my message to allow God to move. Sometimes I, I feel like, man, that wasn't in the script, but it was the Word of God. In fact, even as I'm talking to you right now, already several times I've looked at you and said, I'm telling you, some stuff, there's some stuff you're going through right now, and you're joining us, not just to join us for another uh, great church gathering, but because God has given a rhema word to you that's going to cause everything uh, to turn around. If you leave space for God, I promise you, He is going to fill it. I know, I know it takes time. Uh, especially at my age, I feel like my most limited resource is time. But I have to remember that why, while time is a limited resource for me, it's the most abundant resource for God. God even dwells above time and space as far as that goes. You ever notice, you ever notice that we start to panic and get worried and God is never in a hurry? Just just cast Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus got sick and they let Jesus know. Uh, God, he's never in a hurry. There, there's no rush hour in heaven. But he's never really late. We, we may think he's delayed, but he's never, ever late. And even when he is late, uh, from our perspective, even when he does delay, it's always for a reason to show himself even stronger, even stronger. So, so make some space for God. I know in our culture today, there's a lot said about discovering ourselves and, and who we are, and people today self-identify in all kinds of ways. I would say, I would just encourage you, if you're a believer, watch out for ego. I heard someone say this one time, and I liked it. It says, ego stands for this, E-G-O, edging God out. Man, don't do that. Now, look, I'm not trying to take away anyone's self-confidence, but I am trying to build up your God confidence on that. Another key, which I'll, which I'll give you right now before we have to leave, is to be sure that, that you keep embracing um, the difficulties, the challenges, and at times even the pain. L listen, one reason why there is a blessing hidden in your life right now that you may not be noticing is because troubles will often cause us to seek God, and seeking God will make us strong. In fact, sometimes pain in our life is, is, is very, it, it can hurt, but pain can lead us to pray, and prayer will make us powerful. In fact, we rarely forget the lessons we've learned from pain. Um, I'm just thinking of a few stuff right now and trying to edit it out as I'm going through this lesson. I'll, I'll, I'll share, share this with you. I can still remember before our oldest son, Dan, was born, who's the pastor of this church right now, the lead pastor, Marguerite was pregnant with Dan, and one of our friends, Ingrid, came over to help us teach, uh, help teach us how to cook this thing called Brazilian donuts. It's 
kind of a, it was it's good stuff. It's a great dessert. And they'd put oil in a pan and they were getting the, the oil in the pan hot. They had a thermometer in there, but I could tell the thermometer had broken because it was starting to smoke. I pulled the pan off and there was boom, a flame came out of this oil. So that, that oil, that cooking oil, had gotten way too hot, and there were flames almost up to the ceiling. So I was going to carry that thing outside. I, yes, I should have known to put a cover over it, but you know we were kind of panicking. I'm going to get it out of here. I don't want to burn my house down. And just before I got to the uh, uh, sliding glass door, I handed it to Marguerite so I could open up the sliding door. And the moment I opened up that door, just a little gust of outside wind brushed the flame against her hands that were holding onto the handle, and and it burned her severely, and she dropped the pan with all kinds of fire. But for the longest time, Marguerite had uh, what at first was thought to be third-degree burns. It was it was diagnosed as third-degree burns until we prayed on it, by the way. <laughs> but it did leave uh, this this the, the scarring on her on her hand that. Uh, you know, and I remember looking at Marguerite. She was how she was in her twenties then. I said, "Marguerite, that looks like an old lady's hand." Uh, now I can tease her because all of our all of our hands look like that now. But I noticed that. I, now that's her pain, but that's a lesson she will never forget. And sometimes the most painful thing we have to go through teaches us a very, very, very powerful powerful lesson. So listen, embrace difficulties, challenges, and pain. Uh, I've already told you this. Let me say it again. Always keep God in the equation. Uh, What I have, hope you can say this with me, what I have, God gave me. And who I am, God made me. Uh, So just don't try to do life without God. God is going to provide for you every step of the way. So there's a blessing hidden in your insufficiency. There is a blessing hidden in your not having enough. Let this become a catalyst to you starting to rely upon him like you've never ever relied upon him before and and trust him. Um, If you don't... If you don't have what you need yet, don't worry about it. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. If you don't have what you need yet, don't worry about it. In fact, here's what I wrote down. If you don't have it yet, you don't need it yet. So in the meantime, look to God, rely upon him, and God will provide it at the proper time when you need it. I'll never forget... uh, hearing the great Corrie ten Boom talk about her experiences of hiding Jews there in, in Holland during the dark days of World War II. They would hide people that were the Jewish faith from the Nazis who were occupying their nation. To make a long story short, they got betrayed. Not only were some of the hiding Jews found and put in concentration camps, but Corrie and her family were found and put into concentration camps where her father died, her sister died, and she herself escaped only by a miracle. And she spent the rest of her life um, talking about that experience and talking about how God's love is always bigger and stronger. A very, very powerful person. And afterwards, Corrie ten Boom would have a Q&A. And at one of the Q&As, I'll never forget this, someone asked Corrie, she said, Corrie, well, 
with all you've been through, I don't know how I don't how you did it. How did you go through the horrors of the concentration camp? How did you go go through the pain of, of losing your sister for no other crime than hiding uh, people of the Jewish faith from the Nazis during World War II? How did you make it through that? And then the person said, "I don't think I have what it takes to go through all that that you've gone through." I think like that, man. Sometimes I hear someone's story and I go, "Man, God." I couldn't do that. I could not go through what they've gone through. I, I'll never forget Corey Ten Boom's answer. She said, you know, when my sister Betsy and I were little girls, back in those days, whenever we would travel very far, we would always take the train. She said, and my dad, whenever the time would come to take these train trips, he would never give us the tickets in advance. Why? Because we're little girls. We, we might lose those tickets. She said, he didn't provide the ticket for the train ride until the moment came that we actually had to step on that train and start our journey. And then she compared that to God. She says, very often we think, God, I don't have the power, don't have the strength, don't have the wisdom, uh, whatever, the love to go through something like this. And she said, but you'll discover that if you just keep relying on him and trusting him, as the little girls trusted their daddy with this train trip coming up, that at just the right time, God knows how to come in and provide whatever it is you need to make it. You think, and I don't have enough. I, it's this that hidden blessing thing again. I don't have enough love. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough whatever. And if you keep relying upon and trusting God at the moment you need it, God will step up and provide it for you, and you will find a miracle start to come your way. That's why the Bible can say that you were more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible can say that you have the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. That's why the Bible can say, if God is for you, who can be against you? Well, I'm, I'm believing that today. The hidden blessing, there is a hidden blessing, probably even a hidden miracle in your life right now. It might be found in some surprising place, like in a place where you think, I don't have enough, I can't do this. Things aren't going right, I don't know what to do. Right there, if you'll just turn to the Lord and start to rely upon Him, you will be surprised at what God can do for you. Maybe the word's going to come as it did through the prophet Jehaziel to Jehoshaphat. Stand still and see what the Lord does, for the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Well, this message, as I often preach when I'm preaching, was given to believers to encourage, inspire, uh, maybe help you get a new perspective on a few things going on in your life right now. But before I, I let you go, would you let me pray with you if you need to connect with this God? Some of you that I'm talking to, you've never, ever really given your life to the Lord before. Uh, and by, I, I, I'm not asking you, are you religious or, you, or do you go to a church? Back in the day, we used to say, you know, being in church in and of itself doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Nor do your associations make you a Christian. Well, my mama's a really good Christian, or my uncle's a pastor, or I have a second cousin who's a priest, or whatever it might be. No, no, no. I, I like to say God doesn't have any grandkids. He only has kids. I have grandkids, but God doesn't have any grandkids, because I'm not cool with him because of my mom. No, 
God only has children, so you have to make the choice. In fact, you make the choice, allow him to make the change, and today's the day and you're the person. Why not give Jesus a chance? He's not your problem. He's your solution. He's not mad at you. He's not fed up with you. He hasn't given up with you. He is right there for you right now. What do you have to lose? God can change your life. If you need to connect with God for the first time, or maybe reconnect with the Lord, maybe you've gotten away from Him. Bible uses phrases, or people do anyway, like backsliding or falling away or whatever. Well, why not turn back to Him right now? He can't wait to hug you, receive you with grace, and put you right back on the right track to your purpose and destiny. So if you need to connect with the Lord for the first time or to reconnect with Him by rededication, would you pray after me, Father, thank you for loving me with a steadfast, stubborn love and never giving up on me. I need your help. I've messed up and I'm sorry. I'm more than sorry. I'm willing and ready to change, but I need your help. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. Heal me. Give me a fresh start and put me on the path to my authentic purpose and destiny. Everything I am or ever shall be is yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.